This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about saffron. Yes, the, the mystery ingredient we alluded to yes. in our paella episode. Mm-hmm. We were so sneaky about it. I'm sure none of you guessed. <laughs> especially That's what we were going to be talking about. <laughs> especially since I like low-key posted about it on Twitter today. <laughs> well, darn it, Lauren, how are we supposed to have a, a mystery in our episodes? <laughs> well, it was my account, not the Saver account. So, hmm. and it was to a no, recipe that doesn't include saffron. And I did call out the fact that it has saffron in it. This is a hole that you are digging deeper I, and deeper. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I can forgive you. I no, don't know. This is I'll it. think about it. It's the final <laughs> straw. It's the final yes. thread of saffron. Yes, for ruining the saffron surprise. (laughs) All right. Well, a lot of you listeners have suggested this one, and I actually really like that when we told Super Producer Andrew we were doing this one, he was like, you haven't done it already? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because it is one of those food ingredients that has, like, I, I really don't have a lot of saffron memories. I know I've had it in dishes. I can't tell you when, but Hmm. I know I've had it. I just don't have like a specific thing I can point to. Yeah. But even with that, 
I knew it was one of those ingredients that had a story behind it. It had a really interesting history and uh, was very expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't have a lot of saffron in dishes growing up. But when I started cooking uh, for myself as a, as a young adult and started getting into some, um, some Spanish recipes, um, just, I mean, simple stuff like a, like a rose con pollo or something like that, like I would, I would wind up, yeah, like that's when I first bought and started using saffron and started going like, this is the best um, and trying to find new, new ways to incorporate it into things um, or probably very old ways that were new to me. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had a few drinks, both teas and uh, cocktails made with saffron that were, oh, Ooh. so nice. Ooh. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is another episode where I'm like, I got to get, get my hands on yeah. some saffron. Yeah. And actually one of my favorite perfumes, I believe, I believe has saffron in it. Ooh. And I'm, na- I'm forgetting the name of both the perfume in question and the company that makes it. So I'm doing great <laughs> on nouns <laughs> right now. But we know there is a perfume and you like it. Yes. And saffron may or may not be involved. <laughs> nearly, nearly positive that that exists. Uh, <laughs> I like it. We strive only for 100% <laughs> fact-checked uh, facts on here, especially in, when it comes to our own lives and anecdotes. Yeah, you know, like I can tell you a lot about the the the, the botany of of saffron at this particular moment, but asking me what's in my own uh my own bathroom cabinet, I, I don't know. Could be anything. I look at it every day. Why why would I remember what it is? I think the bathroom cabinet is a mystery, a museum. <laughs> you might be familiar with like the thing you need right then. But otherwise, who knows what's in there? So I, I give you a pass on that one. Um, you know what's in mine is like a stack of contacts that I can no longer wear. Um, oh. Well, anyway, this is veering off into a very different podcast. It is. It is. It is. We're hypothetically a food podcast. Yes. So let's get to our question. Yes. Saffron. What is it? Well, uh, saffron is a golden yellow spice made from parts of flowers. It's uh, it's typically sold as these uh, these short dried threads, and in each thread is the stigma of a flower. Uh, the flowers that saffron comes from are crocuses, species name Crocus sativus. Uh, crocuses tend to be the, these short, broad flowers that grow from corms, and a corm. In addition to just being like a really fun word to say, um, is a, is a bulb that plants form underground to to store up nutrients and energy that they gather from their leaves and roots, so that they can survive harsh conditions, you know, dry periods or cold periods, and then keep sending up new shoots and flowers year after year. And if the word corm is pinging in your brain, uh, we talked about them in our episode on poi from what was that like October? I think it was like October, October, so. November, somewhere in there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Ah, 2020. <laughs> it was a whole... No, that was 2019. I don't know yeah, any more it. friends. <laughs> Imagine 2020 is a wash for travel. So 2019. Right. Yeah, it just occurred to me that that is certainly not when we went to Hawaii. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, don't worry. <laughs> y'all are really getting a good look inside my terrible brain today. 
<laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so in the case of poi, uh, the corm is is like the food operative part of the plant that you're usually talking about. Um, but in the case of saffron, yes, it's the flowers. Not the whole flowers, though, uh, though they are quite pretty uh, with, with these bright, uh, like, lavender-violet petals and uh, short, uh, bright yellow pollen-coated stamens. Um, it is the long, wispy, red-orange stigmas that saffron is made of. Uh, in, in, in a flower, um, the stigma is, is part of the female reproductive organ. It's this tube that comes off of the ovary that sits in the center of the flower, and, and that tube collects the, the male pollen at its outer tip and then transmits that down into the ovary. And saffron flowers each grow three relatively big stigmas, um, and, and that is the only part that we are interested in, culinarily speaking. Um, they contain a lot of the uh, bright yellow-orange pigments and scent and flavor compounds that saffron is known for. The rest of the flower doesn't at all, really. Um, so you're just looking, just looking for the stigma. So uh, any given saffron corm will produce one to four flowers per year, all blooming more or less together in autumn, and you want to harvest them the first day that they bloom to get the freshest, most chemically potent stigmas, unadulterated with any pollen. You have to hand pluck the stigmas from the blooms and immediately dry them, like usually on racks in the sun. And all of this is why saffron is so expensive, because um, you have to have these dedicated perennial fields devoted to lots and lots of saffron corms that can come back every year, and you do this hand harvest. And these things are tiny, these little threads. It takes like 110 to 170 flowers to produce just one gram of saffron. And a gram, for any of y'all who don't have any idea what that is, like like me, I, I, my fellow Americans, um... A gram is uh, 0.035 ounces, so a Ooh. third of 1% of an ounce. And, uh, and a single gram is currently going for something like 10 bucks on the market. Dang. <laughs> yep. Yep, it can range from like 7 bucks to like 30 depending on what's going on. So... And and what grade it is. So uh, so there you go. <laughs> Annie's, Annie's face right now. <laughs> I was just trying to calculate like how far that would get me. Uh, I have no idea, but I know that's a lot. That's a lot of money for seemingly a little amount. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I mean, you know, but the, the, the result is is this absolutely beautiful product with these with these warm, slightly floral, slightly like earthy, bitter flavors um, that'll also give anything that you cook with it this beautiful golden hue. Um, and most recipes do call for just a just a pinch, like maybe like ten stigmas, um, which at which point you know you're you're eating the result of more than three flowers um, in every pan of paella that you consume. Wow. <laughs> Dang. <All right. laughs> and and as I said, there are there are grades of saffron. The higher grades are made from only a fraction of that stigma, just just the reddest bit on like the upper half, or, or even just the very tip of the structure. There are over 150 volatile compounds that give saffron its flavor, but they're concentrated in that top portion. Mm. 
And uh, speaking of, may I may I nerd out about the botany here for a minute? I've just been waiting for you to ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so so first of all, hat tip on this to my very favorite plant blog, uh, botanist in the kitchen. But okay, so yeah, so so evolutionarily, <laughs> these stigmas don't even do anything for this plant. What? <laughs> On a lot of other crocuses, the stigmas are, in fact, important because they need to collect pollen, to fertilize the ovary, to grow seeds, to grow more plants. And, side note, it does seem that several crocus cousins um, to saffron that grow in the wild do contain diluted amounts of these pigments and flavors that make saffron rad, which indicates that they may have developed in the first place as a way of either attracting or detracting pollinator insects. But anyway, um, saffron flowers are sterile. They don't grow seeds. You have to propagate them by splitting off pieces of a corm. What a, like, listen, if I came in, if this is the point I turned on to the podcast, and I had not heard anything you said before, and all I hear is you propagate them by splitting off pieces of the corm, I think I'm in a horror movie. I'm confused. I don't know that we could possibly be talking about something delightful uh, as the ingredient of saffron. <laughs> <laughs> I try I try to really bring that like vaguely Cronenbergian uh, uh, horror aspect into all of my <laughs> all of my food podcasts. I think you're succeeding. <laughs> Crocusbergian, Lauren. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. dear. You you left it open. I, we all know it had to be done. I was asking for that one. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Um, but so, Crocusbergian horror aside, uh, this this means that the fact that you that you propagate saffron plants by by splitting the corm um, means that. All of the saffron plants in the world are nearly genetically identical copies or clones of one another. Like bananas. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> the horror is amping. It's not going down. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, you mentioned clones and you're like, oh, no, this isn't getting less horrific. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, 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 um, uh, it does mean that at some point in history, someone realized how cool this this one flower on this one bulb was. And they just spent like a lot of effort uh, sustaining the plant that made it. Oh, that's interesting. That's that's a movie I want to see or a oh, book I want to read. Right? Yeah. I love it. I love About it. That person who was like, my life's work. <laughs> To replicate this flower, or like that whole like village, or like or like a whole a whole people probably. Um, yeah, uh, I I love this. Uh, and for all of their allure, uh, they're they're really not very picky plants. Um, like they prefer warmish, dryish climates, and they're actually rad in soils that can't be used for other agriculture for that reason. Um, but it's grown around the world, and you could also probably grow them wherever you live, like in a pot. Like that you can bring indoors during a wet or cold conditions, um, and and harvest enough saffron off of for like one or maybe two dishes per year. 
but they would be very special dishes. Right. So, oh. Oh, what a bummer that'd be if you made a mistake and like, burned it <laughs> oh, or something. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> very carefully prepared dishes. <laughs> yes. Yes. You needed to be at the top of your game that night. You do. <laughs> you do. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Uh, okay, but we're a food show. We're a food show. Um, so, saffron, yes, is used around the world in both sweet and savory dishes. Uh, paella, right? Uh, soups and stews, curries like Rogan Josh, uh, custards, Swedish saffron buns, risottos, some rice palafs, um, sauces and dressings, uh, drinks, like I said at the top. Also, as a dye, saffron has been used on fabrics and paints and inks, um, even as a biological stain in the medical field. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you're cooking with it, a uh, quick tip. Um, steep your threads in a hot cooking liquid for a few minutes before adding those threads and that liquid to your dish, and probably like near the end of the cooking time. Um, that will help bring out all of those lovely compounds and also help keep them from degrading into other compounds. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good tip. Well, what about the nutrition? You are not eating enough to make a difference. I promise. I promise. Please don't take that as a challenge. That would be a very expensive challenge, and you would probably only get dry mouth for your troubles. Um. (laughs) Well, fine, Lauren. (laughs) Trying to deter me from my dreams and goals. Of spending heckin' like a hundred bucks on saffron so that you can make yourself a little bit nauseated? I don't need the judgment (laughs) in your tone. (laughs) I can't believe this. (laughs) Uh, You're right, you're right. I'm sorry, dude. Follow your dreams. Don't eat that much saffron, though. Don't don't do it. Um, (laughs) I'm getting mixed messages. I'm getting mixed messages. But all right, all right, all right. I won't. Uh, thank, Thank you. Thank you. I just think that there's other better ways to spend a hundred bucks and also make yourself nauseated if that's really your goal. I mean, the oh, sa- oh, well, that's an interesting challenge. The saffron should go to nicer things. I mean, you can you can get a lot of I don't know what's what's terrible. Um, what's terrible? I mean, you could get sick pretty quickly on cinnamon, but you don't. Uh, I don't need a hundred bucks. For no, that. no. I'm thinking well, more. I was thinking like along the lines of booze. My my mind immediately went to like tequila rose or something like that, <laughs> which will now never be a sponsor. Sorry, tequila rose representative who was about to reach out to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. You've given me something to think out, think about. That's for sure. Okay. Well. I apologize to future both of us for having done that. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I will say, back on the topic of saffron, um, extracts of saffron are under investigation for all kinds of, uh, of medical uses, but there is currently very little actual scientific evidence that they're effective in most of those things. Um, the best evidence right now exists for, um, for specific therapies in Alzheimer's, uh, mild to medium depression, um, mild to moderate, sorry, medium isn't, anyway, um, uh, and uh, the easing of premenstrual symptoms. Um, and yeah, as it turns out, the very compounds that give saffron its color are the ones that are being investigated for their antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties, uh, carotenoids of various kinds. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Well, we do have some numbers for you. We do. So many yes. numbers. This is a this is a number-filled episode. People love saffron numbers because it is so dang expensive. Indeed. So saffron is the world's most expensive spice, sometimes reaching $16 a gram. It is often literally worth its weight in gold. And I hate that every time you say literally, you have to do it in that way. And then there's like the dichotomy of like, <laughs> what do you actually mean when you say literally? But actually worth its weight in gold. Um, to produce one ounce requires about 5,000 flowers or like 4,000 to 5,000 sure. ranges. Um, Iran is the largest producer, accounting for about 85%. And some estimates put it even higher, like 95%. I'm assuming that really depends on the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, their 2014 saffron export, which went out to 53 different countries, was worth $244 million. And uh, d- despite despite all of this um, seeming rarity due to its price, it's in high demand, and actually over 200 metric tons of saffron are grown around the world each year, which is the result of some 30 billion flowers. Wow. Billion with a B. Billion with a B. Yeah, skilled harvesters can harvest up to 80 grams a day. It's also grown on large supply scales in India, Greece, Pakistan, um, and Morocco, on smaller scales in France and Turkey and Spain. Um, And I wanted to include this quote about saffron. Uh, So a baker from Kashmir named Ghulam Ahmad Sofi was being asked about, about saffron, and he said, it's not food. It's a feeling. It's no surprise to me that it's more expensive in weight than gold. Which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. because it's so expensive, there is a lot of saffron fraud. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which um, some people think has really held saffron and saffron producers back. In response, some traceability and certificate programs have been introduced. The American sanction against Iran, which again, the largest producer, has also been an obstacle uh, a bulk of it, a bulk of their supply, especially when meant for the U.S., ended up being exported to Spain where it was repackaged and relabeled as a product of Spain. Yeah. As opposed to a product of Iran. Um, and that's not saffron's only problem. As of 2014, farmers had seen a 50 to 60% decrease in saffron yield in about a 16-year time period due to climate change, which also coincides with increased demand that pushed up the price even more. Yeah, um, yeah, and we will we will get into a few uh, details about that uh, later on because yeah, we're we're gonna go into the history of saffron. Yes, we are. But first, we're gonna pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. 
Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back, thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So before I get to the history section, I just want to give a quick update. Lauren, this will be news to you, just like it is to the listeners. Okay, okay. There is a spider. Oh. Hanging right in my eyesight. Wow. Swinging, illuminated by the ring light in my studio. Okay. And it's adding a layer of excitement to podcasting. Wow. That has hitherto been unknown (laughs) to me because it keeps swinging Um. right into my face and then out. I mean, do you you want— to go obtain a a moving uh, platform for the spider <laughs> and perhaps take it to somewhere that is not in your studio in your eyeline? I like to live on the edge. Okay. Uh, I bet, like, cut to 20 <laughs> minutes from now, there is a terrified screeching sound. Okay. Um, he seems to be doing his own thing. <laughs> But I just wanted, in case there's any okay. sudden uh, sounds, All right, that's probably what it is. Oh, okay, cool. I assume those sounds are going to be made by you, not the spider. Lord help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it really is a horror movie up in here. They've mutated along with me during quarantine. Oh, it is a white spider. That's pretty rare. Oh, well. Don't worry about it. That's my motto. I'm sure it's fine. Most spiders are completely harmless to human beings. I feel so much like we're in a horror movie right now. I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) That's like the horror movie slogan, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. I'll be right back. Um, Exactly. (laughs) Come, come Come back with me, Annie. Back into the lovely fields of flowers. Yes. Yes, okay, okay. Okay. Hopefully there are no spiders in these fields. Uh, I I make no promises. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yes, we're talking about saffron. Mm-hmm. All right, so historians believe saffron originated and was first cultivated in Greece or perhaps Central Asia or the Eastern Mediterranean. A fresco from 1500 BCE Crete depicts women gathering saffron and ancient 
Persian cave paintings contain images of saffron. Some early funeral shrouds for the Persian court had threads of saffron woven into them. I will say, some people put saffron in in, uh, different places way older, but I couldn't really confirm that. This seemed much more agreed upon. Mm -hmm. Um, But as usual, mysteries, history. Yep. Fragments of saffron were found in Mesopotamian art going back 50,000 years and in the wrappings of ancient Egyptian mummies, too. Huh. And it is not exaggerating at all to say that saffron is the stuff of legends. For instance, the story goes that um, one of Cleopatra's pre-date rituals was bathing in mare's milk infused with saffron. Which uh, which would have both smelled nice and might have even given her skin a little bit of a tint, like a like a fake tan. Yeah, Cleopatra was, she knew what was up in that game. Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah, I believe she was one of the first recorded people to wear lipstick, like to come up with her own lipstick. Anyway, she... She knew what was up. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Pliny would later go on to write that saffron was used for fragrance, among other things. Similarly, saffron was used in early cosmetics, yes, and as a dye for clothing. Saffron was also used medicinally for a wide range of things in ancient times, including heartache, sexual dysfunction, menstruation issues, asthma, and depression. Ancient Romans used it as an aphrodisiac. <laughs> <laughs> And might have even sprinkled it on their marriage beds. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Alexander the Great allegedly used saffron on his wounds after battle and enjoyed saffron tea. Saffron was so prized and sought after, it motivated explorers to go out searching for it. And it was one of the most beloved and expensive spices in Europe, both for flavor and the color it imparted to dishes and other things. Mm -hmm. Persian kings used saffron to dye their clothing. And saffron is mentioned in Homer's The Iliad from 700 BCE. In Greek mythology, Zeus slept on a bed of saffron. That guy. That guy. I don't know why I got angry. It's all those those ladies he wronged. He did wrong a lot of ladies. That guy. That's a slow and disapproving head shake from me that you can't see, but I bet you can feel. It was, oh yeah. Oh yes. (laughs) Um, There are several saffron legends about how saffron arrived to Kashmir specifically. One claims it was the gift to a local chieftain from two saints after the chieftain healed them. They were sick while traveling. Another goes all the way back to 500 BCE, positing Persian traders introduced it. And yet another claims it was used in love potions in the first millennium CE. But... Whatever the case, by 3rd century CE, Chinese writers were describing saffron as Kashmiri. They were saying it was from Kashmir. Um, According to medical writer Wan Zhen, quote, The habitat of saffron is in Kashmir, where people grow it principally to offer it to Buddha. The flower withers after a few days, and then the saffron is obtained. It is valued for its uniform yellow color. It can be used to aromatize wine. Ooh. What? Hmm. Oh my heck. Okay, the next time that I open a bottle of wine that's vaguely decent, I am totally putting some saffron in there and just seeing what happens. Oh, please record it. Report back. I must know. Got you. I must know. (laughs) (laughs) During medieval times, monks sometimes used a mixture of egg whites and saffron as a stand-in for gold on their manuscripts. Also during this time... A 
a town in Essex in uh, England where saffron grew well changed their name from Chipping Walden to Saffron Walden Mm. and (laughs) incorporated the flower on their town crest. It also grew well in France and Spain. And I found this wonderful quote about it and I couldn't get it. It was in like a weird PDF form and I couldn't copy paste it. uh And I knew it was like, I was going to screw it up. But essentially it boiled down to this guy being like, why Saffron? Why God has cursed us with Saffron? (laughs) It's just really funny. (laughs) <laughs> wow. So they weren't too pleased about or this guy wasn't oh, too pleased about yeah. it at first. Okay. But it came around. Huh. Um, in 1536 and 1537, King Henry VIII tried to ban saffron yellow in clothing because it was associated with the Irish. It was a much beloved color in Ireland. Uh, quote, saffron should not be used in any shirt, smock, kercher, which was a head covering, bindle, neckerchief, mocket, child's bib. Maybe. Our linen cap. However, because of saffron's cost and scarcity, it was almost certainly not the dye used for these clothes. Oh. Yes, which is um, also something that comes up with the Buddhist monks, that their robes uh, does look like saffron, but generally is not actually saffron used to dye them. Ah. From what I understand. Uh-huh. Yes. Um According to John Gerard's 1597 work, The Herbal, Romans at one time used saffron in public spaces to freshen them up, uh, and it was prescribed for the Black Plague. Yeah, this was a big thing. Like a really big thing. Yeah, people um, were genuinely like, this is going to cure the Black Plague. Let's use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Middle Ages were when the believed medicinal properties of saffron were at their height, especially in Europe, as we're discussing here. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, the trend of dyeing food, especially to make feast all the more lavish, was growing in popularity. So saffron was really having a moment. From a 1300s European cookbook that contained a recipe for cooking swan, the, here are the instructions. Um, quote, Glaze it with saffron, and when it is cooked, it should be redressed in its skin with the neck either straight or flat, Endorse the feathers and head with a paste made of egg yolks mixed with saffron and honey. Huh. Is endorse not used in more recipes? Yes. Endorse it. We endorse the use of endorse. We do. We do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so saffron was making a lot of merchants rich because of all of this. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A stolen shipment of saffron heading for Bastel, Switzerland during the 14th century sparked a 14-week war, the Saffron War. Mm -hmm. The stolen shipment is estimated to have a modern worth of 300,000 pounds. Eventually, the shipment was returned, but saffron theft and fraud was very common during this time. Yeah, yeah. There was this particular other species of crocus that I think would pretty frequently be uh, attempt to be passed off as saffron threads. Um, and it was a risky business. Apparently in the 1400s, this one trader from Nuremberg, Germany, which was a center of saffron production at the time, was buried alive with the false saffron that had been trying to pawn off as a punishment. I mean, we've been joking about this horror movie stuff, but I'm starting <laughs> to think there's something here, Lauren. <laughs> That's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't mess with saffron. No. I mean, don't mess with people's, with rich people's money, I I, I, I guess is what that's saying. But, or do. Or do. Oh, like a Robin Hood, but with saffron. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. These ideas are just flowing. (laughs) (laughs) 
Culpepper's 1653 Complete Herbal included this description of saffron. It is an herb of the sun and under the lion. Saffron is endowed with great virtues, for it refreshes the spirits and is good against fainting fits and the palpitation of the heart. I like that. Yeah. Herb of the sun, under the lion. In Sweden, during the 18th century, the holiday Lucia's Day, which is a festival in honor of Sicilian St. Lucia, which has a fascinating history. It had to be like food show, food show, food show. But uh, anyway, it exists out there. Uh, (laughs) It started taking off in that country. And historically, a big part of it were and are these saffron-flavored buns. But saffron doesn't grow in Sweden. So historians have long been curious as to how it ended up in these buns and how that ended up as such a big part of this celebration. Could only the most wealthy Swedes afford it? Most likely, they purchased their saffron from Western European traders um, and almost certainly at quite steep a price. But many got their spices from Asian and Arab traders too, like coming from uh, Mm. the East. So... Either or both. Yeah. And and around that time, um, more saffron was grown um, around Europe than than is today. Um, th- there were a few very large centers of saffron uh, growth around uh, like like northern parts of Europe. So. Right. 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 Uh, colonists arriving to the Americas brought saffron with them in the 1700s, and it took off particularly in Pennsylvania. This saffron was so popular among the Spanish in the Caribbean that American sellers were able to sell it at a price equal to gold. This trade ended after the War of 1812, and after that war had left many saffron-carrying ships destroyed. However, mm. they've still grown there, still producing. It's just sort of a local Oh, yeah. Huh, thing. local product, yeah. Mm-hmm. England's saffron production had all but vanished by the 1800s, and it's only recently that some have looked into starting it back up. And you can see Grashopah, they have a whole episode on it, if you want to know about that. Yeah, really good episode. In 2010, the Indian central government set up the National Saffron Mission with the goal of providing aid to saffron harvesters in the face of climate change. Yeah, the um the the, the climate situation um has definitely gotten more dire in in some areas. Um in the Kashmir region specifically, where as of 2016, there were some 300 villages and 16,000 families involved in saffron production. Um Production has sometimes fallen by up to 70% in a single year. Um, it did so uh, between 2017 and 2018. And I mean, you know, with, with, any, with any natural crop, um, with the, 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 the weather patterns year to year are, are going to give you ups and downs in production, of course. But, but with downs like that, you know, like some people for whom this crop is like, is like not just a, a, a great way to make money, but is also a longstanding part of their culture are giving it up and selling their land to developers. Mm-hmm. Um, oof. Uh, also, fraud. Oh, yes. Uh, not from those fine folks, but um, in 2010, there was this whole scandal uh, that, that Annie alluded to earlier where um, <laughs> Spain exported 190,000 kilos of saffron, but its farms only reported producing about 1,500 kilos. Um, this was a whole thing. Um, uh, this farmer's union said that the other 90-plus percent of exports were fraudulent and that people were making money off of their good name and they should heck and stop it. Um, yeah. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> later in 2019, uh, there was an international 
fake saffron crime ring that was busted in the UK. Fake saffron crime ring? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> um, on a nicer note, um, in 2016, this this group of um, U.S. Army vets and a, and a civilian um, who had all worked in Afghanistan returned there to help establish a foreign market for locally grown, fairly traded saffron, um, which is a really excellent alternative to um, to growing opium poppies um, and, you know, much nicer for everyone all around. That brand is called Rumi Spice, I think, R-U-M-I. I think they, I think they do good work. Um, not, not a sponsor, not personally affiliated. They just seem like cool people. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, research published in 2019 indicated that Saffron plants are um, are a hybrid of varieties of just a single species of wild crocuses that are found in Greece. Um, one uh, uh, botanical name, Crocus cartwrightianus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there had been there had been debate over uh, over years and years about about what wild species of crocuses came together to to make. Saffron, and yeah, these these researchers out of Dresden, Germany, uh, uh, looked into it. Um, Dresden, yeah, where saffron used to be grown and is slowly coming back. So, <laughs> well, well, that's good. I'm glad. Uh, and yeah, the saffron research continues. People are really oh, absolutely. interested in saffron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I would I would I would say, you know, like at this current moment, unless you are directed to by a doctor, um, uh, probably enjoy it in the culinary sense. Um, maybe don't maybe don't spend too much uh, time or money investigating its medical properties at this current juncture. But, you know. I didn't Wise say it words. before, so I'll say it now. Human <laughs> bodies are complicated. More research is needed. For taking medicinal amounts of anything consult a medical professional who is decidedly not us. I like this. I like the, like, very almost cynical, tired, (laughs) reiterating of the slogan. (laughs) Like, oh, I have to say it again. (laughs) There there are a few things that that I think that, you know, like when I am at 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 the end of my life and I have very few words left in me i'm just going to be on my deathbed saying <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about this the, yeah. the horror genre finally turns its eyes to podcasting <laughs> we have some ideas one is the phrases that just the uh, ads yeah ad breaks I yeah mean, well sure i mean if i if i ever if i ever die knowing that i'm gonna come back as a zombie it my my line is definitely gonna be like like and we'll be back right after a quick break for a word from our sponsor um oh man <laughs> that'd be so funny the zombie says that to you and you're like no <laughs> <laughs> I don't like zombies or adderies. We love our sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. <laughs> Let us do it in a zombie voice, please. Oh, gosh. Why don't, you know, man, we could have, we could have so much fun. We could have so much fun. No they one is, need to unleash us. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's for the good of all of us that we don't Probably. have too much fun. But podcasters just want to have fun. 
That song has actually been stuck in my head all day. So that was like ready to go. <laughs> oh, oh man, mine has been uh, "Mellow Yellow" because it has it has that that phrase in it. Um, um, I'm just mad about saffron, and so that's been playing in my head. That's from 1967, by the way. I did look it up, and I did not put it in the outline. But you're welcome. Well, and now it's in there. Hey, yeah, yeah. Super producer Andrew brought up Saffron City from Pokemon. There's oh things. right, so many pop culture <laughs> references. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, that's all we have to say about Saffron for now. That is. uh, And we do have some listener mail for you. But first, we're going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Like a sunrise. Aww. I was going to do like... The song ones are so complicated, though. You can't communicate. Yeah, it's hard to... It's hard. And also, no one knows what song I was just doing. No. I too early, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. It's like that. The sun, it's the sunrise song. <laughs> you know, the classical music sunrise song. That's all <laughs> oh, I'm going to oh, say oh, about oh. it. Oh, yeah. Okay, I've got yeah. you now. Yeah. But it, so, this is the the... A wall, we, an obstacle we must overcome one day. But uh, I think I think through use of like intricate like puppets, maybe maybe notes when you can pass me notes again. Um, okay. Or I, I mean, I guess we have the technology to have yeah, a little. I could, yeah, I could hold up a note. Yeah. 
Um, um, that could be really funny. That could be an interesting experiment. <laughs> We've also discussed costumes. There's, there's yeah. ways we could there are. improve. Mm. I mean, I, I don't want to ruin your... Fu- you, you could tell me what you're planning on doing beforehand. Oh, that the magic is in <laughs> that spur of the moment, trying to come together, <laughs> and the chaos that ensues. Oh, um, no, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, uh, forget I said anything. <laughs> okay, <laughs> will do. Um, <laughs> Menon, or perhaps Menon, wrote, Hi, y'all. I recently listened to your Scrapple episode and want to let you know that it is available in Oconee County, South Carolina, just a couple of hours up 85 from Atlanta. Thanks to a local Mennonite community, Scrapple is available for breakfast in at least one restaurant, and I believe it is available in some brands of Mennonite stores around, as are a lot of, quote, Amish and more northern brands. I have never eaten it before the restaurant opened. It did remind me of liver mush, which is also not something we normally eat in this part of South Carolina, but was introduced to me by a friend from the Gastonia area of North Carolina. She also liked liver pudding. I can't say I'm a fan of any of it, but hey, I'll always try. We also have some good fresh chorizo and breakfast sausage locally made as well. If you gals ever have questions about Southern cooking, I'm always available to pontificate, especially in the subject of cornbread. Stone ground, no sugar, always cast iron, but Annie, your cornbread counts too. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh. And I just love the use of pontificate. Uh, about yeah. Southern cooking. I mean, that's lovely. I it love is. it. Oh, a spider update. I'm telling you, oh. the spider's back. Yeah? It's, it was up above, now it's swinging below. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. You, but you still uh, I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to update you on the spider. That's all. Um, it continues to be fine. I, <laughs> uh, but I I am very excited to try Scrapple. The more people write in about it, I'm so thrilled that so many people have tried it and have strong opinions about it, which to me, it seems like this really regional thing. Yeah. Um, and I really want to try it. So Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and, now, and now that you mentioned that, that, that Mennonite community, I'm remembering from one of our road trips, probably to Asheville, we were driving through part of South Carolina, and I was like, pulling up like various restaurants that like like kind of nearby the highway mm-hmm. um on my phone and I feel like that might have been the one that you're talking about might might have been one of them um cuz I was like scrapple um oh yeah I vaguely remember that too actually okay maybe I, think I, I didn't thought just it was a scramble it. oh <laughs> yeah I was like is this just some creative Term for scramble mm. in the area. <laughs> oh, so much gosh, to and learn. We were, and then we were all just so so like so like tired and worn down that like mm-hmm. no one made a decision and we finally stopped at one of uh super producer Dylan's favorite restaurants in um Nashville? No. Uh that other <laughs> one. Uh Knoxville. Knoxville. Hey. I thought you were gonna do a joke about the KFC we stopped at. <laughs> Oh no, that was a different part. That was a different, different trip. That entirely. was the original KFC. Okay. Anybody judging? It was the first one. <laughs> it's like a museum in there. We yeah, it's to. got statues of Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Multiple. 
Lots of memorabilia. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to Scrapple. Todd wrote, I love Scrapple, and because I don't eat out as much as I tend to when I'm working on the road, I can't find or have yet to find it here in the Pacific Northwest. I was introduced to it when I was traveling for work in the Pearl River area of New York State. It was available uh, as preformed loafs in most meat department cold cases in local grocery stores. After that, while working around that region of the country, I would intentionally get it with breakfast when I occasioned upon it. What a succulent and savory treat. I never had it slathered in syrup. Hot sauce, uh, crystal, buffalo, or patio, uh, and ketchup is my favorite way to dress it. You mentioned mush on this podcast. I've only known that as all cornmeal, not with any meat bits incorporated. My dad made it on occasion back in the 60s and 70s. I did have it pan-fried and topped with syrup of some kind. I prefer molasses on my fried mush. As much as I enjoy making the occasional pate or terrine when I'm in a particularly festive mood, I haven't considered making my own scrapple. Your podcast has definitely kindled an interest in whipping up a batch. I just finished making a small batch of chicken liver mousse, and I'm enjoying that. I have some fish being prepped, uh, curing in a kasu slash miso paste for the smoker, probably later tomorrow, so maybe after I clean up from that project, I'll dive into the scrapple project. I'll probably want to find some bone-in pork butt, country ribs, or chops on sale, and or maybe take a drive south to H-Mart for some fresh pork belly and a B-grade ground pork, which is somewhere between uh, a 70-30 and 80-20 blend um, of a protein to fat. I often use that to make my pork brats and sausages when I don't want to grind the pork myself because I can be lazy at times. <laughs> I vaguely remember seeing a show on one of those uh, food-focused channels like Food Network that highlighted whole hog barbecue and charcuterie. The chef that was being featured served it in his restaurant, except it was not cut from a chilled slab or loaf. He had a perpetual pot, always on a simmer. His scrapple was ladled directly from pot to plate. OMG, did that look wondrous. Now I'm hungry. Oh, me too. <laughs> that all sounds so good. Oh, it does. Oh, Heck. my gosh. Oh, chicken liver mousse. Well, if you make the scrapple or if you've already made the scrapple, please report oh, in. Oh, updates. Yes. Very important scrapple updates. Yes. Also, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't cook a whole lot. Um, I, I cook probably on the low end of the humans who cook spectrum. Um, but I would say that nothing that you are describing is anywhere close to lazy. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you, Lauren. <laughs> I don't think I've ever ground any of my own meat. No. Ever. So. Um, oh, no, we, we, well, well, I've never had a, I've never, I, no, that's not true either. No, I've just never ground my own meat. <laughs> I was I was about to I was about to say I've never had like the like the uh the technology with which to do uh, it at home and then I'm just like that's a lie. I've definitely had that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it was available but still, nah. But still, it's never really occurred to me. I don't I don't often um I I often cook vegetarian at home. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <sighs> well, oh gosh. Scrapple ladled directly from pot to plate sounds amazing, too. All right, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> any cooking projects, we're happy to hear about them always. Yes. Um, thanks to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. 
We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.